My name is Summer. And my name is Nicole. And we are financial advisors. This is the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast. We have worked with many widows during our careers. Although we are not widows, we see the need for solid financial education before and after losing a spouse. We do this by telling stories from widows and our own lives. Welcome to the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast. I'm Nicole. I'm Summer. And Nicole, tell me what's going on in your life. You want to get a personal update? Um, Yeah, things are good. Life's good. It's so nice to have nice weather and be able to go outside more often. Our dogs feel that way. They keep escaping. One of them (laughs) has been very naughty. And as soon as the door is open, he just streaks out of there. And he goes and pees on things. A lot of neighbors have been leaving their garages open. (laughs) I took flowers to my neighbor because my dog went and peed in her garage. I'm like, can I please help you clean it up? And she wouldn't let me. So I brought oh, her flowers instead. Gosh. I felt so bad. So he's been very, very naughty. And he just loves running around outside and sniffing things and peeing on things. So <laughs> I do feel bad, but I just I can't go pee on people's stuff. It's embarrassing. <laughs> totally. I think what well, we are living with my in-laws right now and they have a dog. And I have actually really bonded with this dog. We go on walks together a lot. And yeah, I feel the same way. It's like having a toddler or something because they're innocent. They don't really know that what they're doing is naughty. They're just so excited. They want to go say hi to everyone. And I'm like trying to control him on this leash. And anyway, it's just kind of funny to see the world through his eyes because I don't, like I said, I don't actually have my own dog. And so just observing him and all the things that he does and like how he just sees the world through sniffing. I'm like, it's just really funny. Like he smells everything. And yes, he's on everything. And it's just hilarious, I think. (laughs) Yeah, they're so fun. And I love them. I never thought I would be such a dog person. Like I growing up, I grew up on a farm and we had farm dogs that stayed outside. And I didn't have like a close relationship with them. They say that the closer your dog gets to sleeping in your bed, the more love you feel for them and the more you'll spend on them for like... (laughs) Go at the vet. Yeah. Your vet bills go up according to how close they get to your bed. So I think they sleep in your house, you spend more on them. If they sleep in your room, well, our dogs sleep in our bed with us now. <laughs> so you're at that level. Yeah, it's been a fight. We've really tried to push it off, but we just love them so much and they want to so bad. <laughs> That's great. And uh, so we love them a lot. And we have two pugs. And oh yeah, the one the one pug is really naughty and but very cuddly and sweet, and he runs away. The other dog is very obedient, and stays, and he snores so loud at night. And, oh my gosh! And so there's been some talk of he can't they can't sleep with us because of the one that snores. Do pugs get along well with other dogs? Or mm-hmm, they're very friendly. Okay, that's usually funny. we um, my in laws dog is a toy poodle and he loves people but not other dogs. He's really scared. It's kind of funny. I'm like, is that your friend? Why are you so freaked out? So definitely different for different dogs, I guess, and how they react to other dogs. It's yeah. funny. Dogs are so interesting. Anyway, they bring a lot of joy to our life and a lot of angst too, like <laughs> peeing on things. <laughs> yes, and just their behaviors. Like I said, it's like having a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, today we want to talk about budgeting and we have some mixed feelings about budgets. Um, we want to talk about 
how you can live your life without being on a strict budget. That's kind of our perspective. (laughs) So we'll be straightforward with you. We're not crazy micro budgeters tracking every penny that we spend. Yeah. As a financial advisor, when I like tell like people, oh, I'm a financial advisor, I often get the response of, oh, I'm terrible at budgeting or, oh, you could help me budget. And I'm like, no, yeah, I hate budgeting. (laughs) I don't, I wouldn't, I would not recommend it. And or I have like a lot of clients be like, oh, you know, I should probably be better. You probably would encourage me to be better. Right. I'm like, no, let's just create some better habits and then let the budget take care of itself. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is how to create, how to not live on a budget. Yes. And I think the number one thing Nicole just mentioned is your habits. This is really what's going to make or break being able to save for retirement for, for you, for our audience or being able to save for a trip is your spending habits. It's like exercise, right? You don't have to have a strict exercise regime to be healthy, right? And so the same principle applies with budgeting. You don't have to you know, count every calorie when you're exercising and, and the same can apply to your finances. Yeah, the bigger thing is to be consistent and build in good healthy habits you can sustain and maintain in your life. Yeah, it's like it's like a diet, which most diets don't work. They fail because it's not sustainable and that can be the same with a budget. I was joking there. I've heard people like, oh, I budget in Excel. I'm like, so you're going to tell me that every time you go to the store and buy something, you go home and open that spreadsheet and write it down? I just, I don't know. I'm having a hard time with feeling like that's sustainable. Yeah, it can take a lot of time to budget. Yes. And if that works for you, if you have a system where you're doing that, good for you. I I just don't feel like it's sustainable for me personally. So (laughs) I think that's a good point is that sometimes budgeting should match your personality and what you have time for and what you want to do. It should not be a a terrible task you have to do once a week or once a month. It should be something like I enjoy looking at my money and how things are going and my progress to my goals because that's how I've set it up. Yes. Um, and we'll, I don't want to jump the gun, but one thing that I like to do is I just have a day of the week that I review what the expenditures have been and make sure that everything's kind of going smoothly for our goals. Like if we want to save X amount of money, we're on track. And that if we don't want to spend more than X amount, we're on track as well. So we can kind of, we just review it together every week, me and my husband. And so if you don't have a spouse to review it with, then you can just review it by yourself or with a friend so that you have some accountability of keeping your goals. Yeah. So we're going to dive in. So we have 11 ways to not budget or, or 11 steps to not budget. <laughs> yes. Um, so a lot of this is based on, um, it's a Stephen Covey principle of how to manage your time. And the example is that you have a jar and it has um, sand and gravel and rocks in it. And if you dump it all out and you put the gravel and the sand in first, and then you try and put the big rocks in, they won't fit. But if you put the big rocks in first and then the gravel and then the sand will fill in all the cracks and now every, everything all of a sudden fits when you focus on your big rocks first. Mm-hmm. So that's the big thing is that you, that's where you should start. What are your big rocks? And there, that's where your budget should start or what your, how your finances should start. Because, oh, yeah, don't we're not budgeting. So we're not <laughs> calling it a budget. <laughs> so let's get started on the first step. Number one. One of your big rocks should be savings. Probably your biggest rock. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is what's going to get you towards your goals. So number one, set your savings on autopilot. And people, the biggest problem I see with people is that they 
say, well, I'll just save whatever's left over at the end of the month. And according to my budget, I can save $200 at the end of every month. Well, guess what? Never happens that way. (laughs) And so your savings should be top first thing that you plan out and then you just set it on autopilot. So, um, you know, your this is why 401ks work so well when your employer offers it is because it automatically comes automatically comes out of your paycheck. And some people don't even notice it. My husband just found an old 401k that he didn't know he had from an old college job because they auto enrolled him in it and it was just coming off his paycheck and he had no idea he was even saving towards the yeah. 401k. <laughs> we had a similar experience. <laughs> so set set up your savings on autopilot as much as you can. A lot of people like it to come out of the paycheck so it never even hits their bank account. And it's never even a question of, you know, should I save this or should I spend it? Right. No, it's super smart principle. And savings include retirement savings and emergency fund savings, savings for taxes or a trip you might go on, get those set up. And I love having multiple accounts. I think I've talked about this before. I do too. I love (laughs) multiple accounts too. So I have my checking account where my income comes in and then I have different accounts for those different goals. So you have your retirement accounts, maybe you have an IRA, a Roth IRA, a 401k that goes in automatically. And I have it set up to go like X amount on this day. It's usually the day after I get paid. So it's just out of my account, out of sight, out of mind. You'll find that these things just, I just feel like it's so comparable to a diet. I'll just keep going back to that. Yeah, great. If you just like, as you see, if you don't see it, if you don't have junk food in your house, you won't eat it, right? The same principle with spending money. If it's not in your account, you you can't spend it, right? And so I just love that principle of get it out of your sight, put it in those accounts and and forget about it. And it's, we pretty you'll be pretty amazed at what your savings will do over time, especially those that are invested. It will grow. And it's pretty awesome feeling to look back and say, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. And this principle is interesting. So both of us have grown up members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints where um, it's very encouraged or uh, it's considered a very spiritual duty to pay 10% of your income to tithing. And there's a lot of stuff in the Bible you can read about, about you know the blessings that come from that. But it's also just a behavioral thing too, like a practical habit that I was taught from a young age that I really thank my parents for of this idea of, if you treat it as something either sacred or really important or a big priority, it's not that hard to do. Like, so 10, like, so honestly, my step number one is 10% of my income goes to tithing. Yeah. Um, and, and I've treated my savings the same way. It is high priority and it just happens. And then you live off of the rest and you don't even miss it. Right. It's it's really helpful, especially if you have that habit and you can make the habit, you guys. It's not, it doesn't have to be something you were taught in your youth. Like we're fortunate to learn that principle, but you can learn it now. And it is really helpful to just get it set up and get going. Um, so a good rule of thumb for your savings is that you should be saving 15 to 20% of your income towards retirement, or at least um, be working your way up to that. Because I know that's a 15 to 20% of your income can be a lot, but that's part of what you need to be working towards if you want to be able to retire. Um, And some people might be more, sometimes it might be less depending on your situation, how much you spend, but that's just a good rule of thumb to start with. Yes. And if you have other savings you're trying to save for like a big trip, that doesn't count in the 15 to 20. It's got to be separate. 
you can do it. It is not as bad as you think, I promise. It's it's pretty amazing what you can do when you move money out of your checking account. <laughs> you figure out how to live on what's in there. So the second principle we want to talk about, set bills on auto pay, including extra debt payments. So you have any debts, uh, get those also automatically paid every month, especially high uh, interest bearing debt, credit cards, student loans, get those paid because that's um, really eating away at your wealth more than anything else. Those have like really high interest rates. We were talking earlier, credit card debt right now can have between like 18 and 20% interest rates. That's way high. So you want to make sure you're getting those debts paid down automatically. And if you have high interest debt, like over uh, 8%, then that you should get after that really as fast as you can. Pick up a little extra side gig for a while, you know, your your savings may not you might have to take your savings down a little bit to get that paid off so maybe you just only get the company match on your 401k and all your other extra money goes yeah. to getting that high interest payment down until at least you get like the stuff that's over like you know seven eight percent down um and then the re- and then you just need really need to make a good debt plan mm-hmm. of how you're going to do this and then set it on auto so if you decide i can put 400 extra dollars a month on this credit card you go auto, you go set that on auto pay every month. So it's never a question again. And then once the $400, um, you know, that card is paid off, you take that payment plus the extra 400 and you move it to the next one. It's called like the debt snowball or the avalanche. And once you get that debt paid off, that's where you're going to be able to get to that 15% savings rate is you, all this extra money you're putting on debt that once it's paid off, you can then move towards your savings goals. Yeah, absolutely. Super smart way to do this is start with your savings and your debt. Those guys are the A ones. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, of course, most people do this now as they put, you know, set their car payment and their home payment up on auto pay. And you know, this is people think that invest real estate is such a great investment, which it can be. It it is. <laughs> but I think people get really, really into, oh my gosh, my home was such a good investment because you are saving into your home every single month by always, always doing it and um, building the equity there. Yeah. And so it, most people have most of their wealth in their home, most average um, people, because it was kind of a forced savings for you mm-hmm. <laughs> and to save into your home and build that equity. And and so you got to set your other savings accounts up the same way. Yeah. And like you said, anything that the more automatic it is, the better it is. <laughs> so with your 401k, if you go in there and change it, boom, that's how it is. Think of it like your mortgage. You can't change it, right? <laughs> if you could get your mind to think that way, then the better off you'd be because you'd be putting away that money and saying, you know, I'm not touching that. It's going in there and that's how it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So set all your bills on auto, not even just your debt, like, you know, everything, you, you know, your electricity bill, everything you possibly can put it on auto pay. So then, you know, it's already taken care of. It just goes out every month and you don't think about it. Yes. Number three, make sure you have the right amount of tax coming out of your paycheck. So taxes are one of your biggest expenses throughout your life. I read once someone said, uh, the government will be a partner in your earnings your whole life. I'm like, that sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. They will be a partner in your earnings. And so they take a portion of your income and you can 
uh, adjust that on your check every month when it goes out. You know, it pays you, but you can go ahead and send some to the government. If you're not sending enough, then at the end of the year when you go to pay your taxes or in April of the following year, you will get a tax bill. And it can, we've seen some of our clients be very surprised by how much taxes they owe because they didn't quite get that adjustment right. So hone in on that so you don't have that major tax bill will come around. Yeah. And they recently changed the tax withholding, how it works in like, I don't want to say it's 2020. Maybe I'm wrong on that. And we're still seeing people who, when they change that, it's causing a lot of people to not be withholding enough mm-hmm. on their paycheck because of, anyway, it's stupid how they changed it. <laughs> and so talk to your accountant about how you can properly set it up um, to make sure that you're having the right amount. Because that's caused a lot of people in the last few years to have big tax bills at the end yeah. of the year. Um, if you're self-employed, it's very important to be setting aside taxes because you don't have, you know, the taxes automatically coming out of your paycheck when you're self-employed. So you have to do it yourself and set it aside and pay quarterly payments to the IRS. Um, if, if that's what's best, you talk to an accountant about that or, you know, have the money set aside. So when you file your taxes, it's already there. Um, I see lots of people who push taxes onto a credit card or onto other bills or other loans because they didn't save enough when when they're self-employed. Totally. And then every year there, it's a crisis of, well, I got to empty out my emergency fund. I got to empty out all my other savings accounts or I got to put this on a credit card because I didn't plan for it. Yeah. And that, which basically means then you've been spending too much throughout the year because you shouldn't have been spending your tax money. Yes, Totally. And that kind of leads into our next point, which is uh, don't use a credit card if you carry a monthly balance. Uh, dangerous move. Um, this is something we want to point out because this can really harm your ability to save. Because if you have to go pay off that credit card, then you'll just have to deplete your savings, anything you've been building up because of that high interest. So we just would avoid that if you want to be in a good financial state. Yeah. And if you're not living on a strict budget, you need to be able to monitor your spending a little better. And your credit card, whatever you're spending this month, you don't have to pay for it until next month. So all you're spending is a month removed from yourself. And so if you're not budgeting, keeping track of things, you could have some big surprises or you could... uh, People who usually carry balances from month to month, um, unless it was like some big surprise, it means that you're chronically overspending. Yes. And and then you're not living in a budget and you're you're spending more more than you're making. I would say that what Nicole and I are trying to illustrate is you don't have to live on a strict budget tracking every penny and every dollar. But from a macro level or bird's eye view, you should be organized in your in with your finances and kind of know the ins and outs and what you need to live on in a month because that's really what will make the difference if you're like putting away money to savings and then immediately taking it out because you overspent well it's not it's defeating the purpose so you kind of have to to work on it and get to know what you know the ins and outs inflows and outflows are within your family but this is you know, what will set you apart from other people who aren't able to save for retirement or be prepared for their long-term goals. Mm. And we have another episode on credit cards, but that you can go listen to, but credit cards can be a tool that can, can hurt your budget or hurt your spending every month because it really removes the spending from you. So if you're finding that you have a problem and that you're overspending, 
it might be your credit card. So don't use a credit card or at least for a while until you can get into a good system and a good um, rhythm or good money habits. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you're if it's rolling over, if you're keeping a balance on your credit card, you got to quit using it. Cut it up. Use yeah. your debit card. Use cash. Agreed. Okay. Topic number five. Only track the problem areas like discretionary spending. Yeah. So I think for us... Um, when we've gone and looked and said, oh, these are the areas where we probably spend too much or really the areas where we don't want to be spending. Why why are we pushing so much money towards stuff for our house when we'd rather go travel? And so so a lot of times with um, me and my spouse, we will only track that area for the month and just say, hey, you know, we said we'd only spend $200 in this area and it's the the 15th and we're already, we've already spent our 200. So no more for the rest of the month. Yeah. And so then I don't have to go in and budget or like really like keep track of things, but just more of like, I just track that one area for the month. And it often changes month to month as we work on different things. Yes. And I don't really track it that closely. It's just more of a, let's do a quick check-in. Like where we are in that area. I think too that this is important because you'll find areas that you're like, why are we, why are we spending on, you know, Netflix and Hulu, Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and all these, you know, you may have more subscriptions than you need and realize, you know, we don't really use Hulu on very often. We should just, you know, let that one or we should let that one go or cut that one out. And so I think that can be a really healthy habit is, you know, on our fun money. Is it really doing are we really spending it where we want or is it just getting sucked into things like that we don't use and no hate to Hulu if you love that (laughs) or just using it as an example because I don't really use Hulu but that's a good thing to do is kind of look at that that fun money the things that you're doing on the weekends is that really like bringing you happiness and if not what can you do to change it yeah my other problem area is Amazon (laughs) because I work I have a kid I just I don't go to the store that often I order everything online and when we look at how much money we've spent on Amazon, I'm like, that's disgusting. And and now our house is full of stuff. And I don't like stuff. It clutters it up. And I'd rather go out and do stuff. So um, that's been like a big area we track of like, okay, well, we're not going to... This is your budget for Amazon. And you can't spend more than that. Yeah. I think what we're getting at too is just this is a macro perspective. Again, bird's eye view. What is important to you? That's the questions that you should be having, whether it with your family or if you have a spouse or just with yourself. And that should really be uh, reflected in your finances. Yeah. And creating maybe more like a structure. I'm going to compare this to toddlers because I have one. And everything I've learned about disciplining a toddler is that they're not like at two years old, he's not really in a good place where he can understand like, hey, if you do this, then this will happen. And so it's really hard to teach him to like not do things. And so instead you just have to create structures of safety for him. Like we lock the door so he doesn't go stick his hands in the toilet or we put his, the snacks out of sight, out of mind that we know he'll ask for that are unhealthy. And so then he, we, he doesn't ask for them. We don't have to tell him, no, there's no screaming. So we just have created structures for him. Oh, and like locks on the garbage. So he doesn't get into the garbage. Like it's really difficult to teach him. Like don't go play in the garbage. So we just have to create a structure. So you're creating structures for yourself. So like I took the Amazon app off my phone and I try not to go to Target more than once a month because Target is a trap. <laughs> and um, so just building in more good healthy habits and not like, oh, you have to like track every single nickel you spend. 
yeah, just like, a, yeah, again, just looking at that from a good perspective and and keeping keeping yourself safe from Amazon yeah. and other places. <laughs> uh, number six tip we have create sinking funds for annual expenses or unexpected expenses. We're going to have a whole podcast on sinking funds. These are fascinating to me, but do you want to talk about that, what a sinking fund is and kind of how you've used this? Yeah, I think as I've talked to people about what derails them from their spending, ha- like their spending habits or their savings habits is unexpected expenses. We're like, oh, well, we had a car we had car problems this month. And so we weren't able to do that. Or I need to cancel our savings into our Roth IRA because we had this expense on our house Um, or something else came up. And often when they start telling me these things, I'm like, well, that's not really unexpected. You own a home, there's going to be maintenance on your home. You own a car, there's going to be maintenance on your car. And the problem is that most people just are not budgeting it, budgeting it. Oh, there I go using that word again. (laughs) Most people are not planning for it or they don't, you know, they spend their regular monthly things. And so then when the annual things or the unexpected things come up, they get totally derailed. Um, Or like um, registration on your car. Like that's usually just an annual thing. Or sometimes people pay their taxes, like their property tax if their home is paid off has to then come annually. And they're like, they get really nervous about saving, like having enough money for that in that month. It's like, oh, also my expenses are so expensive this month because my life insurance policy is due this month or my property taxes due this month. Yeah. And I am one who I just don't like things to be interrupted. This is kind of funny. I have set expectations. So if you tell me, like my husband says, oh, we're going to do this activity tonight. And then I get home and he says, actually, we're going on a hike. I'm going to be like, it's going to take me a little bit to process that. I don't really (laughs) do well with like a change like that. I'm really working on it. The same thing happens though with your money. It's kind of a disappointment if you're like, oh, I'm going to save for this trip. And then your car breaks down and you have to like reconsider and move that. I don't know. It just kind of upsets me. And so I've just really liked building up those accounts. And then when that unexpected expense comes, I know it's there. I move. Let's say I have a separate account for like a Disneyland trip or something. I go to Disneyland, I spend money, and then I move money from my Disneyland account into my checking account to replenish what I spent. And then I can keep on with my savings goals. I just like not getting derailed or like pushed off track. That Maybe that's just like my personality, but it really bothers me. So that's a great way to avoid that happening is to have separate accounts, push money in different places to stay safe for that. Yeah. So again, these things should all be set up on auto. So you decide, okay, this is how much I need to save for my car maintenance or my home maintenance. And you set up a separate account. I actually just, I just have one account. It's called my sinking funds. And I just, I don't have like a car account or a house account. Some people do. And I think that's fine if that's how you use it better for you. I just kind of like generally keep track of it on a spreadsheet. Again, I do use, I am a financial advisor. I love spreadsheets. I don't nickel and dime myself, but I do kind of just keep track of what my sinking funds are for. And then I have one account it all goes into. And I love it. I love having that money build up and knowing that like, hey, if anything happens, we're good here. Mm -hmm. And then a health savings account, we have another episode about that. A health savings account can be your sinking fund for healthcare or medical. I actually use mine as retirement savings, but you could use it for medical expenses if you needed to. And it's just so much relief knowing that like, whatever might happen, I have I have something to fall back on. 
And it just it gives me a lot of relief and it doesn't make me feel so stressed about our monthly spending if like something goes wrong because things always go wrong. Yeah, they do. There are. It's not like we're saying, oh, you'll have every unexpected expense accounted for. We recognize that you. I don't have like a parking ticket account, you know, or like a, yeah. a traffic violation account. Those things I, I'm not... I'm, hopefully not expected to get. So I have to, you know, pay for those out of my monthly cash flow and make that work. And so I always have a buffer for like miscellaneous or whatever. But I think that's a good good rule of thumb is some of those big expenses, like you, like Nicole said, you own a home, there's going to be repairs. Just We talked about dogs and yes. I let my dog sleep in my bed. So I'm willing to spend more at the vet for them because I love them so much. <laughs> so we have a sinking fund for vet bills. Like you never know when that's going to happen. Our yeah. dog just broke his tooth he's oh, gonna have yeah. to go in and get that removed so um stuff like that so every month it's just every month a certain amount transfers from our checking when we get paid to our sinking funds yep. and it's my monthly car expense my monthly vet bill it's perfect okay number seven ensure what you can't afford to cover insurance can can be some big expenses for people. And I think a lot of people sometimes wonder, oh, should I actually be paying for insurance? Um, and insurance can be so important to help you avoid those catastrophic bills that you can never pay. Um, so that's why we have health insurance. Because if you had a big health event, you just can't pay a million dollars in your lifetime. You'll derail, derail all your other financial goals if you ever had a big um, health bill. So you should always have insurance for the things that are could be catastrophic and that are more likely to happen. Um, and health is a big one. So make sure you have proper health insurance. And then um, cars, uh, you know, car accidents, you got to have proper car insurance because if you got in a car accident and you had a $60,000 um, car repair bill because you have to also repair the other person's car, it just be so difficult to derail all your other planning and savings that you've done if you had something happen that you damn insurance to cover. Yeah, I think agreed. And this is something we we talk so much when we interview our widows about life insurance and these things that just bring a peace of mind and all kind of comes back to that comfort level and knowledge that, you know, something bad happens, you have a plan. And that's kind of like our, I feel like our whole point of this whole episode is even though we are saying, you know, you don't have to have a budget, you do need to have a plan. We're not saying just go out there and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. That's not going to work. Um, and so being prepared through all those different types of insurances is super important. Yeah. So let's just quickly go through like the basics, health insurance, life insurance, car insurance, home insurance. And then if like, you get a business or if you have a large net worth, you should consider an umbrella policy. Pet insurance. Yeah. We actually don't have pet insurance. We've really <laughs> evaluated it. That's So I think that's something you have to evaluate. Like yeah, some that's of those, a toss up. Yeah. Those extra ones like pet insurance or like, um, should you have flood insurance on top of your home insurance or earthquake insurance? Depends on the area you live in. Um, just talk to a good insurance agent who um, knows their stuff. Yeah. Knows what they're doing. <laughs> yep. Number eight, set up separate accounts for goals. We kind of already touched on this a lot. Um, but I think this is just like another, just a reminder of it can be fun to make a plan and to watch your money grow as you and work towards certain things. So goals could be um, travel. It could be college planning for your kids, like set up a 529. Um, although we've talked about this in other episodes too, but 
your college planning for your kids should be your low priority. <laughs> you should make sure you're you're doing other stuff like your retirement savings first. Yeah. Um, but this kind of leads us, we're not going to touch on it because we already talked about this, but set up your accounts for your goals, save towards it monthly. This leads into our step number nine, which is know what your priorities are. I think that's huge um, part of creating a financial plan is you can't do everything. You can't retire early and travel and pay for your kid's college and have the nice house. Unless you have extreme circumstances. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so you kind of have to prioritize like what's most important to you. Another thing that we've had a discussion about in our house is health, about how much are we going to prioritize our health because that can really affect things long-term about our quality of life and and actually can be quite expensive to have bad health in retirement. And so we've started prioritizing pushing money towards things that make us healthy. Yeah, so smart, you know, thinking of the long term, right? And maybe it's a gym membership and you're, you know, that's, I don't know, $20 a month and you're willing to part with that. It's only $20, but that's, you know, putting, I mean, hopefully you use the gym membership, but it's putting faith in the fact or like, you know, putting a good step forward in the fact that, hey, I want to take care of myself. That's important to me. And making that happen within your finances. Huge. I think another thing for us is we don't want to wait to retire to do some some traveling. That's something that we love to do. Both of our families, we grew up traveling. So we need to make that happen in our budget, but it may mean some sacrifices in other ways. Like, you know, maybe, maybe we don't have Disney Plus or whatever, which we just kind of bum off of other people still because we're <laughs> kind of at that age where we can still do that. But I think that's just something you have to keep in mind is look at what matters to you and what you prioritize. Yeah. So like a current discussion we've also had is, again, we we do like, like to travel too. A lot of times because we have you know important people, our family and uh, my best friend that lives in other places. And so we've also talked about how we kind of need to move houses soon because we might be outgrowing our house and we'd like a bigger yard for our dogs. And so there's this debate of, well, what is our bigger priority? Traveling or being able to move? And it's been a hard one. It's been many discussions. Especially in this interest rate environment, if you were going to yeah. take out a mortgage. Woo. <laughs> I know we have such a low mortgage rate on our house right now. It's hard to give that up. Yeah. And, and that actually has been part of the discussion of we were going to push it down the road a little bit longer, yeah. stay in our house as long as we can. And I think when you start to know what your priorities are, it helps you know where to push your money. Like we, you know, I talked about Amazon is such a problem for me. And why? Why am I spending money on Amazon? I don't want stuff in my house. I want to go do stuff. I want to go outside and spend time with my kid and I want to be able to travel. So I think it's when you start knowing what your priorities are, it helps you know where you should be spending your money. I We work with other people who I know some people who it's very, very important to them to be able to retire early. They want to retire in their 50s and it's a huge goal for them. And so they're sacrificing a lot of other things to be able to push more money towards retirement so they can be done earlier. Yeah, no, it, that that might require micro budgeting. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not quite. But, um, but, but at least that they have a ton of savings set up on auto. And I feel like you have to have eyes wide with retiring early. There's just a lot that goes into that with yeah. health insurance and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing your priorities helps you plan better for the future and push your money where it's most important. So that brings us to 
Step number 10, create family rules. So these can be like allowances or... Or like um, if... I don't know. It's going to be different for every family. If it's going to be over $50 or $100, you have to run it past the other person first. Yeah. Um, or if it's going to be over $100, I have to think about it for three days. And if I still... If I can't stop thinking about it, then I can buy it. Yeah. Um, and this is different for everybody. And this kind of goes back to know what your problem areas are <laughs> and then create some rules around that. I We've seen a lot of conflict um, with couples on how money is spent in their in their home. And I think creating some rules and some structure can help prevent some of that conflict. And it goes back to the previous one of know what your priorities are and then create some rules around it. I don't think it to be really strict. I think it can just identify the areas of like, you know, what causes issues like, hey, I don't like that you go out and spend so much money with your friends. Or I don't like that you spend so much money on clothes. And it's really detracting from our other goals and priorities. How can we make it so you can still like, you know, I love to buy shoes and clothes. How can I still <laughs> buy my shoes and clothes? But, um, you know, but still be able to work towards our goals. And it's not putting too much money. And some people just completely keep it separate. That's why they say like, oh, you get this allowance, I get this allowance and we can spend it on it's however like we mad want. money. That's the topic. Yeah. yeah. I don't have to be accountable to you. Yes. I can just do go mad with it basically. <laughs> yeah. Because I think this is another reason why people don't like to budget is because it creates conflict in oh, families. Yeah. And you may have different priorities than your spouse and that's okay. We all have different conflicts that we have to work through in marriage and maybe their priority. I know my husband, he really likes to buy nice bands and things. And I'm like, well, I don't care. I'll just buy shoes from Ross or whatever. And so that has been something we have to work through. And and I we have implemented mad money for this reason. It makes it so that I don't, you know, that's his $150 and he can spend it on what he wants and I don't have a say. And it just eliminated that conflict. And I'm not like, why did you buy that? Or, you know, if that's what he wants to do, he can do it. And I think this principle is super important for teaching your kids because your kids can learn. You can set expectations with them. Like in our home, when you go to college, you know, we will pay for this or this, or we won't pay for anything. And so you need to start saving for it or to teach them those habits. Um, and so that they have clear expectations of how things are going to go. I think that's so important and a great way to teach your kids. Yeah. And it can be the te- the things you teach your kids um, will last in their lifetime. It will determine their own money habits. So mm-hmm. it's great to model for them or teach them things and yes. always give things to them. And if you didn't learn the auto pay and your youth and you're learning it now, well, pay it forward and teach your kids because they will thank you. It is such an important lesson, especially as world gets more uncertain and government programs get more uncertain. The better you are at saving, I think the better off you'll be. All right. So then um, number 11, this one, I'm not sure how to say it. Don't be debt poor or don't be house poor. Um, it, It can be very, very difficult to have enough money to push towards other goals and not to feel like money is tight if you are spending too much on a house or if you have too much debt. And it can, it can make it feel like it's impossible to budget or impossible to save if, um, you know, 45% of your income is going towards a mortgage. Um, The average American, um, in 2021, 33% of their income went towards housing costs. 
So if you want to be able to save above average, which most people need to be have above average savings because most Americans are not saving enough, then you need to have below average housing costs, mm-hmm. which we know can be very difficult. Housing prices have been quite high. Housing rent has been going up. We know this is difficult. It might be more of a long-term plan you work towards. but um, And it's really tempting to have a nice big house and or to rent in a nice neighborhood for your... You know, this is so... This is important. Renting for a nice neighborhood for your kids. And there's a lot of things that your house is where you spend a lot of time. But long term, your plan needs to be to how can you reduce that expense and keep it low. Um, And long term, a way to keep that low is to buy a house and have it can be quite important to um, be a homeowner so you can build equity, but also so that you can have more control that your rent isn't going up constantly. And that when your mortgage does get paid off, eventually you don't no longer have the same housing expense. Yeah, absolutely. The, in the United States, the three biggest expenses for any given household are your housing, your transportation or food. So if you're struggling with any of the things that we've mentioned today, like getting those auto pay and getting enough saved, those would be the three to look at. How can I cut back on food? Can I cut back on fast food maybe? Or how can I, do I need this super bougie apartment that looks over the city? I'm not saying that you have that, but if you did and you were struggling to save, those would be the things to look at. It's not, it is not going to be how much you're spending on Disney Plus. Cutting out $8 is not going to be it. Or or what is the big thing? Millennials can't buy a house because they buy avocado toast. (laughs) I don't think that's why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But food does add up, actually. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Housing, biggest expense, transportation. You know, are you Ubering everywhere? Can you walk more? Can you? They, like, I'm not going to say small changes don't make a difference, but I think it can be overwhelming to make small changes. So focus on those categories that eat at your wealth the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you said housing, transportation, and food, and I'd say debt. Yeah, debt is a big one that eats. So. Um, it's really important to try and get less and less of your income going towards those things. Then you have, because if you're, if you need to be saving 20% in order to retire, you can't be spending 35% on housing costs. Mm -hmm. It just, it doesn't work. Um, and, or if you have, you know, 40% of your income is going to housing and debt because you had a nice, you have a nice car, maybe quite a big car loan on, plus you have student loans, plus you have, you know, a mortgage. Yeah, you can't do 20% or even 15% towards retirement. Yeah, something has to get. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, again, in your current situation, it might be hard to make some of those changes. But as you evaluate your long term of what you can do, um, you know, maybe you determine that I'm not going to buy such a nice car. I'm going to get this nice car paid down. So I have less debt payments. I'm going to get these debts paid down. Or, you know, we're going to make some sacrifices in the housing area and not live in this type of house so we can save a little bit on our housing so I can save towards the goals I want to do. Um, The other way is to increase your income. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, this is a podcast mostly for women and women tend to be um, under earning. Shy about it. Yeah. Yeah. They don't ask for rate. It's like studies show they don't ask for raises as much and, or they don't pursue the career opportunities because they feel like they can't do that with a family I also really respect that women often make choices to not pursue the career because 
they don't want to have it all. Yeah. They, yes, they need to ha- make money, but they also want to spend time with their kids. So, but I just think being more aware of like, am I really tapping into my earning potential? Cause I've seen lots of women when they finally like get the courage, they can really build their income to help them reach some of their goals. And if you find yourself in that situation where you are working and know that you're going to need to support a family, yeah, I think if that's your choice, if that's what you need to or have to do or want to do, then, you know, be all in and, and get the get the raise. <laughs> Easier said than done, right? I myself, that's scary for me to have a discussion about my income. It's uncomfortable. I understand. But I think that that's something we would encourage is, is you know, try and push for opportunities and show show your employer that you are working hard, that you are valuable. And those things can really make a difference because if you are really feeling like I am, you know, I'm in the cheapest housing I can find, I don't have a loan on my car or whatever, and I'm still just not meeting this goal, then it's probably time to look at your income. Yeah. And this would be a whole other podcast, but women a lot of times just need it. Like there's a lot of studies that show that women need a tap on the shoulder often to be told to pursue something. Here's your tap. <laughs> yeah. Go pursue it that you, you can increase your income if that's important to you and it will help better help you pursue your goals and get out of debt. Yep. We've talked about a ton today. I We hope you've loved our steps to not budget. <laughs> and maybe you've learned along the way that what we're really trying to get at is that you do need to be organized. You do need to have a plan and some things in place. We hope that what you'll take away is that you should look at how you're spending your money. How can you make it simpler and easier using auto pay, paying your bills, paying, setting up savings, those types of things so that Honestly, this could be a little bit more organized and you have a good system in place for your finances. Mm -hmm. And I will say this, that if you are really struggling with your spending or you have some bad spending habits or bad money habits, maybe you do need to budget pretty tightly for a while until you develop better habits. Mm -hmm. So not to say that there's not a place for budgeting or strict budgeting. Um, This would be more for people who don't like to budget and they generally are doing pretty well with their money habits, they would just like to improve it a little bit. Yeah, there's always extremities um, and people in the in the minority. And, and so we're trying to speak to a general audience, but yes, different things may apply for you. You maybe need to go on the Dave Ramsey program or whatever program you like to choose. We're not sponsoring anybody, but I'm just saying that could be an option. Yeah. And programs are very, could be very helpful, whatever one you choose, just having a structure. And then I'd also say that I would if you feel like you just can't do it yourself, there are financial coaches out there. Or um, if you feel like it's um, like some money habit that's ingrained in you, a financial counselor could be really helpful to help you get some of like go through some therapy and figure out why am I spending the way I spend? Absolutely. Any sources that we shared today, we'll put in the show notes so you can look at those. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you want to know more about us and what we do, visit our website, rockhousefinancial.com. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Rockhouse Financial is an SEC registered investment advisor and the opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the opinions of Rockhouse Financial or any other sponsors of the podcast. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. 
Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.